All right, hallelujah. Welcome to another episode. Appreciate you tuning in. Uh, We're going to go ahead and dive right into the word. But before we do, let's go ahead and pray. Father, I just thank you so much for your Holy Spirit. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your love. I thank you, God, that you created us. And God, that you actually desire us, that you want a relationship with us. God, I thank you that before we ever have a desire to get to know you or to want to know you, God, you desire us and you love us, God. And I just pray, God, that you would make that so real and so evident to the people listening in their lives. We thank you, God, that even as we go through your word, Lord, that you're going to illuminate and ignite who you are and what your desire is for us, God, that we'll see it. And not only that, but the desire that you place in us for our purpose, for what you have for us. We bless you and we thank you for it, God. You're so awesome. You're so worthy of all our praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in to another episode. This will be episode 26, I believe. And uh, just staying faithful, pressing in. I really appreciate uh, those that are listening. And uh, it's exciting to know that people are are hearing and actually uh, enjoying uh, what I'm doing because uh, it's for me and for the Lord, but ultimately uh, I'm hoping that people are going to feed and get something out of this and have it bless their life because uh, you can't spend time with God and time in his word and not benefit from it greatly. So whatever time you give to the word of God, and to the, the discussion of God is so valuable. You know, a lot of people spend their time on so many other things, waste their time. They do a lot of things that are frivolous. Um, but when you take time and you let the word of God into your heart, into your ears and get in there and actually allow it to bring up the questions, allow it to bring maybe even the tension or the comfort or whatever it is, the correction, um, the affirmation that you need. It actually builds something in you that's greater than anything else in this world. It's just invaluable. It's eternal. So I want to encourage you, keep listening to and reading and spending time with the word of God. It is so important. So we're in Acts 11. And let's see, I want to start where we left off last week. So we're at the church of Antioch and this is verse 19 in Acts 11. We're just going to read in and flow. So it says, so then since they were unaware of these developments, those who were scattered because of the persecution that occurred in connection with the stoning of Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch without telling the message of salvation through Christ to anyone except Jews. So because of what happened to Stephen and the persecution that was connected to everyone involved, it brought a scattering. People had to disperse. And as they're traveling and they're they're leaving where the persecution was breaking out, they're preaching, but they're not preaching to anybody but Jew, to the Jews. And I think it's awesome that the Bible, you know, is very clear about persecution. I mean, it's something that you're going to read in Acts. You're going to see Jesus happen to Jesus. I mean, 
the whole message of the cross is a message of persecution, right? It's a message of Jesus Christ, God in the flesh coming to the earth to relate, to speak to people, to minister, to show them who he is, to reveal his truth. And the reaction of the heart of people that would get hard, get, I mean, that's how evil humanity is without God. That the very God that comes to the earth, that created them, that loves them, that they would look at him and despise and reject and persecute him. And when people are persecuting Christians, it's this, it, they're persecuting him still to this day. You know, you don't have to take it personal. You, you're taking, a, you're making a choice to take a stand with Jesus and the word of God and what you believe in your faith. And that persecution isn't directed at you personally. It's actually directed at God because God is the one who's given us this commission. He's the one that's given us this truth and we are to stand with it and embrace it and when we embrace it it brings persecution so i just wanted to drop that little nugget in there that you don't have to take it personally when people despise you hate you uh throw stones at you whatever hit you strike you it's they're not striking you they're actually striking the lord again and uh god isn't mocked right i'm not saying he wants to kill people he loves them the very people that put him on the cross he loved to the cross to the point of death for their salvation so but they were but there were some of them men of cyprus and cyrene who came to antioch and began speaking to the greeks as well so out of this group some of them actually began to open up and preach to the gentiles to the greeks proclaiming to them the good news about the lord jesus and the hand, the power, and presence of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord for salvation. You know, anytime you have a group of people, anyone, okay, and this is the truth about the message, when you open your mouth and you preach the gospel, and I'm not talking about coming with, you know, some kind of specific, you know, I mean, everybody has their different ways of doing it, and I'm not going to sit here and ridicule you know, except for the ones that want to stand on the street with the bullhorn and tell everybody they're going to hell. I mean, that's not good news. The power of God doesn't come on that type of ministry. He's, he's not going to come on and you're going to see people get saved, delivered, filled with the Holy Spirit when you're telling them, turn or burn, turn or burn, right? No, what's going to happen is you're going to go with the power of God and you're going to say, there's good news. The good news is that God loves you so much and he sent his son to die for your sin, for your mistakes, for your errors, for everything you've ever done wrong in your life. When you lied to your parents, when you lied to um, other people, when you committed sin, whatever you've done in your life that you know in your heart is wrong, the good news is that you don't have to live with that shame and that guilt, but you can be redeemed and set free. Not only that, but you can have a relationship with the one who created you. This is the message of the gospel, that he wants to have a relationship with you and you can spend time with him. You can worship him. You can love him. You can show him who you are. And in return, he's going to reveal everything he is. He's going to share secrets with you. He's going to give you insight into who he is. And, and, and not only that, but even things about life and about the earth. And he, he reveals to us signs and wonders, things that cause us to go, wow, God, you're awesome. Wow, God, you're amazing. There's none like you. And 
God kind of has this way of like when you get have an intimate relationship with him, he actually begins to reveal things that cha- that not only change your heart and your attitude, but they actually give you a an ability to withstand um, like we were talking about before the persecution. It gives you this supernatural ability as you spend time with him, as he show, as he, you're having even encounters or uh, spiritual um, experiences, dreams, visions, words of knowledge. Holy Spirit comes in. He he does. He'll he'll show you things that will happen. Then you'll see him happen before your eyes. He'll give you a vision or a dream about something, and then you'll see it come to pass, and you'll be like, whoa. And you'll see how God protects you. And that just even more so gives you this stronger clinging or like belief, right? Your faith grows strong. Nobody's going to move you. You you know that you know that you know that he's real. And that doesn't happen because you're crazy. It happens because God begins to reveal to you who he is and that he's alive and that he's real and that he loves you. And this brings a level of strength and courage and boldness to know God is with you and for you. And as they're preaching, you know, the power of God comes upon the preaching of the gospel. Okay. It's not for, you know, weird kooky stuff, you know, and I, everybody's got their experiences and Hey, if it leads people to Jesus, then fine. But I, I, you know, angel feathers, gold dust, you know, um, jewels and gems and all that stuff. It's just not my thing. Like, I get it. Like if if God does that for somebody, praise the Lord, you know? Let it let it lead let it point to Jesus Christ. That's cool. But it's not something I'm going to be chasing after or even expecting God to do to somehow give me some, to build my faith. What builds my faith is walking with him in intimacy and him not only revealing his plan but protecting me from the enemy, showing insight into uh, where he's taking me, insight into the people around me, that he wants to protect me from those who would have ill will or have some sort of opinion about me that's not his. God will give you dreams. I had a dream one time of a man, uh, or actually what happened in the dream is, if I remember it correctly, I was on a phone call and I was listening in and I was with a, a certain minister at the time that I was serving and I was listening to a conversation with him and two other people that were listening in. And they were they were talking about me in a very negative way. And in the dream, whether it was truth or not, you know what I mean? It doesn't matter. It's like God loves his, his kids. And when people have ulterior motives and they gossip behind your back, it's not God. Okay, God doesn't do that. If there's a weakness or there's a flaw in your life then the people who are being led by God to come and bring correction or instruction in your life are going to come to you because that's biblically what it says they should do. But also, it's the way that you you deal with conflict in life. It's not just ministry, it's a life. So if you have people around you that are smiling at you and acting one way, but then behind the scenes, they're saying all kinds of evil, they're have, they have these opinions, but yet they won't come and tell you what they think, then you have to realize it's not the Lord. That's not how God operates, okay? He's gonna show you um, these type of people so that you can guard your heart because the one thing the enemy wants to do is come in and, and just break, just wound you, just get you to where you get bitter, you get angry at people, you're not forgiving. So anyways, get back to the dream. 
in the dream, I was on the phone. I was listening to these two people talk about me. And then also when I, the next day I was kind of like, okay, God's saying something here. And then literally a week later, I had this confrontation and it wasn't like a bad confrontation. It was just something that had happened that somebody had said, it got back to me. And the gentleman who I knew exactly who it was right away. And I had just gone to breakfast with these people and they were saying all these kind things about me. They were actually encouraging me. And then this is how weird people are, okay? This is how bizarre humanity and humans are. One moment, they're one way. And then the next moment, you know, they get around the person with, this happens in organizations all the time. It happens in business, it happens in the world. And unfortunately, it happens in ministry as well. But they get around the guy who's the guy, right? The guy in charge. And then the tune changes, right? Then they want to look, make you look bad or they're vying for a position or they want, they want to somehow belittle you and, make, and say things about you that are negative. And eventually, this guy approached my, my family, actually came to my wife and was saying things inappropriate to my wife. Never came to me, never spoke to me face-to-face, never called me, had my number, knew me personally. So immediately you're like, okay, God, God's not only guarding me and protecting me, showing me that he's, he's got me in this situation, but he's also preparing my heart for the blow so that I don't have to take it in this way of like, oh God, they hurt me so bad. <laughs> you know, and just go into this bitter place. Instead, you can go into this place of rejoicing and saying, God, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for being and standing with me and showing that you care for me enough to reveal to me the attack, to to expose the devil's plan to try to bring division, to try to hurt you, to try to make you, uh, you know, think less of yourself, whatever it is. The, The God will step in and protect you from those type of things. And so I kind of went down that path because I was I was speaking of persecution. But when you preach the gospel to people, God's going to show up, okay? And not your religious version. I'm talking about just genuine, this is the truth. Jesus died for you, loves you. You know, you don't have to sh- sugarcoat it. You don't have to water it down. You don't have to try to like dance around the truth. No, you speak the truth and then God's power shows up to confirm. And that doesn't always mean that people are going to get saved and delivered. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they spit at you and they throw rocks at you. Other times they'll repent. In this situation, uh, I like the Amplified because it brings in the power and the presence. When you minister God and you walk in the in the presence and power of God, and you're not just coming with the, the logos, right? You're not just coming with facts and information, but you're actually walking with the Spirit of God then there's a supernatural force behind you to go beyond what you can do. So it actually, you can speak, you can preach, you can give a word, you can say something. But as you leave, the Spirit of God doesn't leave that person. The Spirit of God is going to minister. There's angels, there's there's things that are happening behind the scenes. Here's another story. When I first got saved, I had one of my best friends. I love this guy to this day. And uh, he's gone through a lot of stuff in his life, a, a really dark addiction, all this stuff that was going on in his life. And bef- when I got saved, I was ministering to him, just kind of telling him about God and my experience. He came to the church. He had just gone through a horrible accident where he lost somebody who died and he was broken. 
And I remember him coming to church and I believe he gave his life to the Lord. He had a moment, but then he got around some friends. They were saying all this negative stuff. Oh, it's, it's a lie. These people just want your money. All this, just the devil, just the devil coming to steal the seed, right? What God did in his heart. And, but then I, pr I got off the phone with him after I talked to him, after he was kind of telling me stuff. And I said, look, man, let me, you know, I'll talk to you later. I'll, I'll call you back, but I'm going to pray for you. So I, I ended up praying for him. And I just was praying in the name of Jesus, I was rebuking the devil off his mind. I was rebuking any kind of work, anything that was trying to come in there. I just began to pray and intercede for my, my friend. He calls me back probably three hours later. I didn't call him back yet, but he calls me. He says, you know what? I was just sitting here thinking about what you're saying. And I actually agree with you. I, I, I think you're right. And I, he was like basically just coming back to a place of realizing God was touching his life and wanting to have a relationship with him. And unfortunately, it didn't stick for him, and he ended up going down a different path. And years later, I would always try to stay in contact with these, some of the guys I grew up with that were really close. I was really close with. They were some of my best friends. And I had this dream one night, and in the dream, he was sick. And it was, I knew it was God, and I was just like, wow, man, I was really feeling for him. And so I, I the only way I knew how to get a hold of him because I no longer had his number. This is probably 10 years after I got saved, maybe even longer, maybe 15. And I I'm sent him a Facebook message and he replies back to me probably like a month later, maybe two months. It was it was a while. And he basically says, your dream was right on everything. He goes, I've been a, I've been struggling with uh, fentanyl. I've been addicted. He's having these um struggles with you know drugs and addiction and and i just i basically just wrote him back and prayed for him again and just encouraged him and just spoke the word of god over his life and i haven't been able to connect with him since then but i i still pray for him i still think about him and i just pray that god gets a hold of him and, and ultimately for your life to change you got to get a hold of god you know god gets a hold of us he shows us who he is but we have to then get hungry and passionate and say, God, I'm going to cling to you. I'm not going to let you go. I'm, I'm coming after you. And you can get, you can hear a message and get redeemed and saved, but then, you know, and have a little bit of a fire and then you burn it. And next thing you know, you're back, you're, you're back. Slain. You're not even a Christian anymore, or you don't even live. You might have the mindset and remember the experience, but you're not living for God at all. You have no, you don't spend time with you. You don't read the word. You have no passion for the things of God. You're back in the world and hard towards God. And the, the enemy works overtime to come after people to get them separated from God. That's why there is a part of Christianity doctrinally that has to be taught about pursuing God. People have to be conditioned and taught. It's not just about, hey, God came and died for you and, and rescued you. But there is a now in turn laying down your life, you giving your life at to this one thing, this cause of pursuing and getting to know God, having a relationship with him. If you don't pursue him, then the enemy is going to pursue you and he's going to make sure he distracts you. He's going to make sure you have all the excuses to, to and your flesh are going to drift, drift away and move you away from God, his plan, his will, his purpose for your life. It doesn't mean he's not going to be there. He's, he's just like, okay, I'm done with you. No, you will make the decision to begin to back away and to move away. Because if you do not pursue him, 
then there's something else pursuing you that there's a pressure that's coming in on you. And if you don't have a pressing forward, that's why it says, and I believe it's Philippians 4, uh, one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind me, I press towards the mark, the high calling. And if people don't understand there's a press to Christianity, there's a press to having a relationship with God, then they're going to be easily deceived, distracted, and led astray because they don't press. They just kind of let go and, and let life and let the other pressure, the enemy's pressures, temptations come in and rob them of the goodness and, the, and who God is and who God wants to be in their life. So the hand, the power and presence of the Lord was with them and a great number who believed turned to the Lord for salvation, accepting and drawing near to Jesus as Messiah and Savior. So here you see what I was just talking about. There is a a coming and turning to the Lord. They believe and they turn to the Lord for salvation. And again, Amplified, I love the way it brings it home. Accepting and drawing near to Jesus. There it is, drawing near, pursuing. If you draw near to him, he, draw near, he draws even closer to you. He's accepting you. And to Jesus as Messiah, right? As, this, as the, um, the chosen one and as Savior, as their, as their Savior, as the one who died and paid the price for their sins. Redeem them from the curse of the law. Redeem them for a f- eternal damnation and hell to be separated God for eternity forever that is such an incredible thought if you just pause and just think about it you know we don't really think about hell and think about the reality of okay when this life is over a lot of people think oh you just become a you know gas in the wind or you know (laughs) some people think they get another shot and they come back as like you know you were a, a, you know, you died a 65 year old hairy man and you can come back as a, you know, as a, I don't know, an Asian baby from, you know, China, a little girl or something, you know, and, or, or even some people think they come back as animals, like as dogs, like your dog, your pet is really just somebody who died year, <laughs> generations ago and, and now they've reincarnated it as your dog walking around. <laughs> It's like people, the stuff people believe, yet, but yet they can't believe that there's a God who created them, which lines up with the fact that, hey, where do we come from? And then a God who loves them, which lines up with the fact of, oh, we know love because we can feel love and be loved, right? We have children. You can experience a love on a whole nother level, which should, okay, open your heart even more to realizing there's a God because the very thing that he's saying he did to you and created you, you have now partaken in that gift of creation by bringing a, ba- a child into the world through having intimacy and love and relationship with uh, the opposite sex, okay? You can't do that with the same sex, but you can do it with the opposite sex. I don't care how hard you try, you're not going to be able to do it if it's not a man and a woman, okay? So don't try to sell me all this nonsense when the reality of it is, is that God created this thing and that truth will draw you closer to him and, and should open your heart to know that he's real. Um, so the news of this reached the ears of the church in Jerusalem and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. So now they're going to send Barnabas to Antioch. And when he arrived and saw the grace of God, 
that was bestowed on them, he rejoiced and began to encourage them all with an unwavering heart to stay true and devoted to the Lord. So the disciples hear that these guys are preaching to the Greeks and they're getting saved and delivered. And this, you know, now it's like, okay, so they send Barnabas over to check it out and see what's going on. And when he arrives, he sees the grace of God. Whoa, he recognizes, okay, this is genuine. This isn't just, you know, somebody trying to, I don't know, proselyze or, or, or rip people off of their money, you know, sell them holy oil from Israel or piece of the old rugged cross whatever they say a, a piece of noah's ark if you give they're gonna send you a piece of noah's ark. <laughs> but uh it's genuine it's a genuine move of god and he rejoices and he begins to encourage them all with an unwavering heart to stay true and devoted to the lord so to go back to what i just you know went down before to to stay true and devoted to the lord well how do you stay true and devoted to the lord how does that happen? Does it just happen by you just, you know, not having the press, just kind of hanging out and just showing up to church? Does Are you staying devoted to the Lord because you go to a building on a Sunday at 10 a.m. or 9 a.m. or 8.30, whatever your service time is, or a Sunday night? Does that mean you're staying devoted to God? I mean, that's kind of, I'm, I'm asking the question because I'm kind of trying to think it through right now. I think you can be devoted to the idea of Christianity, but being devoted to God and devoted to a church are two different things. Um, I've been a part of a of a church before where people were more de- more devoted to the building because their grandpa or their you know generationally it's always been their church and that the building and the surroundings and some of the friendships they have, they're more devoted to that than they are to actually God. And unfortunately, it is the truth and they exist. There are there are churches out there that are more devoted to their idea of their church and their building than they are to actually the commission and what, what the Bible teaches about what it looks like to be a Christian. See, America teaches people or American, you know, people say American gospel. Well, this is what I think the American gospel is. It teaches people that to go to church, to have a Bible, to show up, to sit down and listen to a guy, right? Who's the guy talk about God. And then all of a sudden that's Christianity. Like you going and you just hearing the word of God is a, it makes you a Christian or devout. But what makes you devout is when you get persecuted. What makes you devout is when you go through life and the, the hits come, the disappointments, the pain, the tragedies come. And you cling to Jesus and you stay close to him. You don't push away. You press forward, right? When, you, when you're involved in a church and you're serving and, and there's, you know, I, I don't think God's calling churches to just create little communities of people that come to just, you know, get fed themselves. No, you're there to to be fed, but then to be released and go out into the world. So to be devoted to God means you now are devoted to the commission and to the message that he's given you, which is to preach the gospel, which is to go out and be a light in the world and impact the surroundings around you, impact the relationships, whether it's your family, whether it's friends, or it's people uh, within your your work, your uh, career, that you're going with a mission more than you are, you know, well, hey, I, I have this career, but 
this is the, mo- the main thing, but then on the side, I'm a Christian because I go to a church on Sunday. But when you're in your career, there's no fruit, there's no fire, there's no intensity, there's no passion, you don't proclaim, you're not seeing people led to the Lord, you're not seeing people experience God. If only time you have a word or a prophetic word is in a service at church, then there's something wrong with your Christianity. And I think it would be something more about your courage and your boldness. And the Holy Spirit is all about making you bold, not just within a building with other people, with majority of people that think like you, but with people that are in the world that God can come and manifest in a powerful way and show them that he's real. You know, we can't show people because we're not God. God shows people and exposes uh, who he is to people. He's the one that does that. That's supernatural. A, a minister can come in and tell you and speak the word and walk in, in the power and you experience God, but it's God doing it. It's not a man doing it. You know, a lot of people think, oh, that's just a man trying to brainwash you or trying to use some kind of hocus pocus or, you know, there's people that even think like, you know, or people are getting the move of God's happening. People are getting delivered or set free that somehow they put something in the air and People are breathing in some kind of drug or something. It's weird how people excuse, make excuses. (laughs) They really do. It's bizarre. But we see here in the Bible that they're traveling, they're preaching the word, they're sending Barnabas. And now, hold on, sorry. I just, my my place uh, jumped and now I got to find where I was at. Okay, here we go. So he encourages them to stay true and devoted to the Lord. For Barnabas was a good man, privately and publicly. His godly character benefited both himself and others. Man, that'll preach right there. This is, sometimes I just read this and I can get stuck on one thing and then I get stuck on another thing and just, I'm sorry if this is like too much for everybody, but you can, you know what, you can listen, come back and listen again. Take a little bit in come back. That's what's cool about podcasts is you don't have to just inhale it all at once. You can take your time digesting it. Uh, But it says privately and publicly, his godly character benefited both himself and others. So real true godly character isn't just about you, even though it will benefit you to have character. But a lot of times when people have position or they have wealth and it's, it's, all about them very little does it benefit other people it's a very selfish thing right but when it's about others then it's gonna it's gonna go beyond you and real godly character is never gonna be self-centered self-focused real godly character is always gonna be out to benefit and help others so who you are privately and who you are publicly there's no dissonance there's no duality right Barnabas was was a man of God. He had, he was who he was at home behind closed doors and he was who he was in front of people and that benefited him greatly and other people as well. It blessed other people. It gives other people a uh, an anchor in their faith. When you have somebody who's genuine, who's walking with the Lord for, you know, as long as they have and they're faithful and they're committed and you can see their character and you can see the way they handle pressure. You can see how they handle problems, how they handle offense, how they handle people who are mean, how they love. All those things can benefit you when you have a strong example of, of a, like a strong leader in your life who truly is 
sold out to God and to the things of God. If you have the other thing, it's not going to be beneficial. It's actually going to cause you to go the other way and water you down. You know, people who just get saved, I mean, if you have an encounter with the Lord, and some people do, they have radical encounters and they're just, boom, they're, they're, they're connected and you will not see them falter. Majority of people in my experience, maybe other people experience differ, is that they need a like an anchor, like a man of God or a woman of God in their life. I mean, we all need it. I talked about this in my discipleship podcast, but we all, everyone, I think it's ordained and mandated by God that we all need that discipleship. And discipleship isn't just going to a church on Sunday, hearing a guy talk. Like he's not discipling you just by you listening to a message, okay? I'm not discipling you just because you're hearing me preach the word. Me discipling you would be getting involved in your life, knowing who you are, knowing your middle name, okay? Not just, oh, you're, you're Chad or Bob, but knowing who you are and you allowing me, right? Or whoever that person is into those places where darkness is, where there's underdeveloped things in your heart, where you're immature, where you have sin, where you have things that are going on, that when there's a true discipleship, there's a God-ordained authority put on, on that person for your benefit, for you to grow and mature, for you to push forward, to possess the promises of God and fulfill the purposes of God for your life. When you just have people who are leaders in your life and all they do is butter your muffin so that you keep giving your tithe. Are they butter your muffin? <laughs> butter your muffin. <laughs> Sorry for that example. But you know what I'm saying? They're just like, you know, just, oh, everything's good and everything's always, and there's no tension. There's no them getting involved and knowing your family, knowing, knowing you and speaking into your life and encouraging you. But also, you know, sometimes there's rebukes, there's correction, there's admonishment, there's exhortation. You, you need these relationships in your life. And if you just go to church and you do all the, you serve, you could serve, you could be one of the best servers. But if people don't get to know you intimately, you're not being discipled. I mean, you're, you might be secondhand through the Bible and your prayer life with the Lord and having a relationship with Jesus. That's all good. And you can get close to God that way. But you're never going to benefit from the full of having people who are, who love God like Barnabas who are you know who have great integrity and character if you don't have relationships a close relationship with somebody who is a man or woman of God and for men it should be with men you're never going to have a woman come be disciple you okay women should not disciple men they can teach and they can speak into their lives but they're never there to come and then disciple a man because there's going to be a closeness there that has to develop that is not for a man and a woman, okay, if you're not married. And you have plenty of situations where, you know, pastors start counseling a woman and the next thing you know, they're not counseling, they're comforting and they got their, (laughs) they're doing bad things and they're alone and it's not a good outcome. So... Ooh, some thunder. I don't know if you picked that up, but it's been raining and thundering around here. I think the Lord just said amen to that one. Amen. So uh, for Barnabas was good privately and publicly. His godly character benefited both those 
uh, around him and himself. And he was full of the Holy Spirit. So here's a, a, a key, right? Or, or an ingredient. Well, how do you have godly character and benefit those around you? You are full of the Holy Spirit and full of faith. Faith in God, faith in Jesus. Faith in the one whom when you believe in him, you have everlasting life, right? It's not just, oh, I believe in Jesus. No, you realize there's more to this life than just this life. And your whole perspective, outlook, uh, everything just shifts and you get a revelation of, oh, this isn't just about me on the earth and me living for, for this world and this life, right? God opened you up to see, oh, there's a bigger picture here. There's a greater purpose and cause. Uh, and it says a great number of people who br- who were brought to the Lord and Barnabas left for Tarsus to search for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. So now um, Barnabas leaves Tarsus. And I believe I, I think this is he's searching for Paul because or maybe it was Saul because maybe Saul didn't have his name changed yet. Um, but Saul was knocked off his horse and then he became Paul. Right. So I'm not sure, you know, there's probably a theologian out there. If you're listening, forgive me if if this is wrong. But I believe this is Paul and he finds him. So Barnabas Barnabas goes and gets Paul and brings him back to Antioch. And for an entire year, they met with others in the church and instructed large numbers. And it was in Antioch the disciples were first called Christians. Wow, that's cool, huh? You know what? Here's another <laughs> here's another thing that I want to say, because a lot of times in ministry, you get people who just create these things that they think. Right. And they say, oh, this is the way it should be. If you're going to pastor a church, you need to be ready to be a pastor for your whole life. You better be really be willing to die with the church. Be there as long as you can even suck the life out of it and kill it and destroy it. Right. Be there so long because your identity now becomes about the ministry and about this idea of who you are, but it's not what God's doing. The grace isn't there, right? So people get so stuck in this world of like, oh, because they think about a career, right? Or a job and they go, well, people in the world, they work for companies their whole life and they're blessed and they're ben- they get benefits. Ministry isn't a, car- a job, right? It's, it's a calling and you have ministries that get in they're successful whatever and the pastors stay there their whole life then you have other ministries who struggle and the pastors stay there and they stay there and they struggle and they struggle and they struggle until there's no more church and the church shuts its doors because somewhere in their mind that pastor thinks oh i have to stay here and go down with the ship and the reality of it is is sometimes the grace that's on your life is for a year it's for you to go and minister to that place and then move because God has called you to something bigger than just being a pastor, right? And I'm not talking about pastor is not a big calling. I'm talking about like like some organizations, they don't even think, you know, they look at you weird if, you, if you've if been at a few different churches. Oh, what did you do wrong? Well, how did you, oh, you must have offended somebody. No, what if God's calling people because of the calling on their life to impart to different places? So you mean your gift is just, you're, God thinks this highly of you that your gift is only applicable to this one little town, this one little church. 
that that's all you can believe God for is that that's all the people you're going to affect. And, and if you're this is the reality, OK, if you're going to be in a church that long and the people that are there, they stay with you they're they ride or die. Right. They're, they're your friends. They're your family. They're there your whole life. Right. You spend it with them. And then those people aren't winning people to Jesus, aren't growing in their faith, aren't being sent out, aren't, don't have a calling for the, the commission and what God's put us here on the earth for. Then all you have is a club. You might as well change the name. Don't call it a church, but call it a community center and a club. And everybody's got to have a membership to come join your club. Because unless ministry's happening and the world's changing around you and the environment and the neighborhood and the gospel's bring, being preached, all you are is a club for people who say they're Christians. Sometimes you need to have another leader, another pastor, another man of God who has a call, who has a peace to impart to that body, to help that body grow and mature, to help that church grow and mature and become who he's, what that church is supposed to become. If all you have is one minister who's got one gifting and one mindset and all they do is impart that to people for 20 years and then the church dies, well, no wonder because they never expanded and invited the other gifts or even other people. And sometimes you might feel, be called to a church for 20 years, but don't be isolated. Bring other ministers and bring other giftings in to come minister to your church. And if you're so scared that somehow they're going to ruin your church or somebody's going to come split your church and you're living out of a place of fear, then that's demonic and it's not God in you producing that fear. That's you being afraid somebody's come steal from you. And let me tell you, the only person who's going to steal from you is the devil. Okay, People don't steal from, from, from you in, in Christianity. The devil uses people, but it ultimately is the devil. And what you have to do is get close to the Lord to be willing to know how to take hits when the enemy tries to do things. You know, a split doesn't have to be a bad uh, thing. Sometimes it's just a matter of, okay, cutting off the some of the weight that's actually not producing. Some of Sometimes it's getting rid of, or people that wanna go produce, getting away from the people that don't wanna do anything. And there's a split because God has a purpose for his message to get out. And he doesn't want some, you know, pastor who just wants to, you know, just sit and suck the life and the money and all this stuff out of a church because he's got a comfort zone he's in and he doesn't want to get out of it. So, you know, in ministry, there's a lot of different factors that, that play into, you know, different things of why things happen in churches and not everything's the same. Not every, every one's experience is the same, but I'll tell you what, if people in the church aren't growing and being launched out and to do ministry and find their ministries. I'm not talking about they all have to start their own church, but they should have a passion to see people saved, passion to see people get um, delivered and on fire for God and disciple that they don't have people in their life that they want to disciple and they want to engage with and, and teach the things of God to, then something's wrong with that church. It's not a healthy church. Just because you have people showing up on a Sunday and they pay money so that the guy who is at the top gets to live, you know, how comfortable life. But yet those people never have this intensity to go do something for God or they're bringing people in and you are seeing deliverance and, and ministry happen. Then that church is, you know, unfortunately got people who are alive, but it's dead spiritually. It's dead. And in Revelations, Jesus warns 
the church. He says, um, lest I take your, the candles. Let's just go there. I'm going to turn to Acts. I'm sorry, not Acts, Revelation. And I think it's two. But he talks about the lampstand. Uh, let's see. He says, I'll remove your lampstand from you. So remember the heights from which you have fallen and repent, change your inner self, your old way of thinking and do the works you did first when you first knew me. Otherwise, I will visit you and remove your lampstand. So let me go back and read this through one more time. It says, but I have this charge again. This isn't the whole thing. I'm just going to hit this point and then go back to Acts. But I have this charge against you that you have left your first love. You have lost the depth of love that you first had for me. So remember the heights from which you have fallen. He's telling you, remember where you were. And he's talking about heights. You were up here. You were in the heavenly realm and heavenly places with me. You were connected to my mission, to what I've called you to. You were, you were on fire. You were passionate and intense, but you've fallen from that place. You have to repent. You have to change your inner self, your way of thinking and your sinful behavior and seek God's will. Seek God. So here's the net. There's that thing. Seek. I was talking about earlier. Pursue God. There's a part of Christianity that has to be taught. It's a doctrinal thing that's that is important. That if you remove it from Christianity, you're going to have dead, watered down believers. And who knows if they're going to? I mean, I don't want to sound religious, but who knows if they're going to make it into heaven? <laughs> I'm sorry, but the reality of it is, is that God is real and He's He's not messing around. Repent change the way you think and do the works you did at first when you first knew me. Otherwise, I will visit you and remove your lampstand, the church, its impact from its place. Well, what does that mean? I will visit you and I, he says, hey, I'm going to come visit you. But when I come visit you, it's going to be to remove the influence and the impact that you were having or have had. Unless you repent, Yet you have this to your credit, that you hate the works and corrupt teachings of the Nicolaitans that mislead and delude the people, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear and heed what the Spirit says to the churches, to him who overcomes the world through believing that Jesus is the Son of God. I will grant the privilege to eat the fruit from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So he's going in and saying, look, you got to change the way you think. you got to repent. You've fallen from your passion. You're no longer on fire. And if you stay in this place, I'm going to come and remove your influence from you. And then he says, look, you want to know what really blessed me is when you went after those who would teach false doctrine, who would water people down with, with religion, who would weigh people down with uh, the, the cares of the, this life are more important than God's kingdom and his purposes right? Teaching people, oh, love this life more and get all you can out of it and be blessed. And God wants you to have all this stuff more than no, lay down your life, give up your life, go after the purpose and the call and the commission, the great commission, let it be the source and let God add to your life that way. Let blessing come that way, because that's not going to be a thing that weighs you down. It's going to be a thing that pushes you forward, right? Real blessing from God doesn't weigh you down and push you away from God. It pushes you forward into the things of God. And we see in the Old Testament when the Israelites were blessed, right? Or they, when God blessed them, 
the, the nat, their natural inclination was to actually forget God. Don't remember when you come into this place where you're blessed to not forget the Lord your God. So God's blessing to me, you know, I don't think it's there to weigh us down and pull us away from the Lord. It's up to us to contend and stay in a place that it actually pushes. God, thank you for your blessing, but I'm going to move forward and use it to benefit you and your kingdom. I think God's ultimate blessing is to, again, like I said, it's it's has a purpose on it. And that purpose is to point people to Jesus and the Great Commission and their, their purpose and what God has called them to do. You know, God has a heart and a mind for us, for our life, for what he has for our life. And watered down version of Christianity is going to teach you that it's to, to be locked into the world and the ways of the world. That's not, and then, then God benefits your life and you just have this normal life and God's just a side piece. And he, you, he, people know you love God because you go to a building, but they never know that Jesus died for them and they never get saved and they never come to the Lord. They just know that you're a cool Christian who dresses cool and has a cool, you know, what that you have money or that you're blessed because, you know, God loves you. I mean, that's good. I mean, I'd rather be blessed than be broke and say God loves me because I want my people to know God is a God of abundance. But that doesn't end there. It doesn't stop there. The abundance and the blessing is there to push you further and forward into the calling and the purposes of God, to fulfill the call, to fulfill what he's called you to do, which is uh, tied into the Great Commission. So let's go back to Acts and we're going to go ahead and wrap up and then we'll continue on next week. And I might switch it up for a week and then come back to Acts. And I'm going to make it all the way through Acts eventually, but I, I might drop some other ones in there along the way. So we see that. Um, so since they were unaware of these vote, we already read that part. Sorry, I'm going to go back to here where it says, and when he found him, he brought him back to Antioch for an entire year. They met with others in the church and instructed large numbers. So they're teaching, they're teaching, they're discipling, they're, they're, they're ministering the word. The word. They're, they're spending time with people uh, on, a, on a personal level. They're getting to know them. They're having conversation, asking questions, pouring in the word, pouring in purpose, prophesying, speaking over their destiny. And it was in Antioch that the disciples were first called Christians. So here's where we see that, that word Christian get birthed and born was in Antioch. People were calling him, oh, those are Christians. Those are Christians. Before that, it was they were the people of the way, right? But now it's Christians. Now, at this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them named Agabus stood up and prophesied through the Holy Spirit that a severe famine would come on the entire world. And this did happen during the reign of Claudius, so that the disciples decided to send a contribution, each according to his individual ability, to the believers who lived in Judea. And they and this they did, sending the contribution to the elders of, by Barnabas and Saul. So we have um, prophets. And this is interesting too, because again, you have that sect of Christianity that doesn't believe the gifts, right? They're cessationists, prominent people who don't believe that the prophetic, but here we see it right here, New Testament, after Jesus died and is resurrected, and we see people operating in the gift of prophecy, prophesying about a famine that was going to come. 
And, you know, there are uh, ministers, even contemporary guys like Kim Clement, right? You can't get as close as Kim Clement has gotten and not understand, okay, God, there's, there are still the prophetic gift and mantle, okay? And it's not a goofball, prophetic, weird, you know, all this jargon people want to come up with. It's just very matter of fact, right? They might look weird. They might sound weird. And a lot of times prophets do, but there's a dynamic there of holiness. There's a dynamic there of an awe for God and a bringing something supernatural, like telling the future, hey, this is going to happen. And then it happens. Hey, this is what the Lord showed me. And then the Lord confirms it by it happening. This is what I see happening. And then God comes and confirms it because it actually happens. And there's another scripture in the Old Testament talks about you'll know a prophet that they're actually a prophet because what they say will come to pass. Okay, and I'm not talking about somebody prophesying you're gonna get a brand new car and then you don't. And then you're like, oh, it doesn't work and God's not real. I'm not talking about that stuff. I'm talking about somebody coming in and speaking over your life, destiny and purpose, and then it not coming to pass because God was never in that destiny and purpose for your life. He was in his purpose and destiny for your life, but not in somebody else coming and trying to prophesy like, I see you going to Africa and I see all this stuff. And then the next thing you know, you know, you're in Africa and you come back and now you don't want to be a Christian anymore because you thought God wanted to send you to Africa and you had a miserable experience. But God never told you to go to Africa. Somebody else did. You know, prophetic word is there to confirm and endorse what God's already spoken in you. It's like almost like an like a how can I explain it? It's like when you see somebody you know and you recognize them, and you're kind of just about your day, but out of nowhere you see somebody go, oh, there's, oh, that's John, or oh, that's that's Betty Sue, whatever. I, I love my names. I don't know why they come out this way, but they do. And and you had that. Oh, I know that. I know that person. That's what the prophetic does. The prophetic is there and you go, I know that. Boom, it like it's like a recognizing God in something. Oh, you're speaking right to my soul. And you know that you know. And that's what God does with the prophetic. And then sometimes it's delayed because you're you're saying something about the future and then God's confirming it in your life by it happening. And it was like I was that dream I believe I had was prophetic because it was speaking to me about a, an event that was gonna happen two weeks later, but when it did. It was, it was a protection for me. It was something supernatural. It kept my heart in the right place and even draw me closer to God and, and, and recognizing how much he loves me. And the prophetic is really to do that. It's to exhort people and encourage them and, and develop them into uh, better believers, better Christians. And what I mean by that is that they possess more of God, right? Less of the world, less of themselves, but more of him in their lives. So they, he prophesied famine was gonna come and it happened. And this was during the reign of Claudius. So the disciples decided to send a contribution. So when the famine happened, here's what happened. When the world was going through it all, there was sustenance and the disciples took from what they had, cause this is God and they gave. They took of, of what they had, and it might not been abundance. They might not have, you know, two million in the bank, like I can afford this. No, they gave from what they had, trusting that God would provide for them more. And even then, you know, sometimes you do have an abundance or maybe you are wealthy and you can, you can give 
you know, and it doesn't affect you. But a lot of times God works in this way of where he, he gives you and he watches what you do with it, right? He watches your heart. And then there's times where he requires of us to, to give for others and it's out of a place of sacrifice, right? It doesn't mean that you don't have enough. God's not asking you. Uh, it's like the woman, um, Elijah, when the woman had, she's like, I, I'm not, I, all we have is enough to eat and die, right? They were, we have two meals and then we're gonna die. He goes, no, you give me first. You, you take care of me and you'll, you'll never lack and you'll live. And that's the way God works. You give and you trust God and God will make sure you have more than enough all the days of your life, every moment of your life. And God will take care of you and bless you and love you because that's who he is. Amen. Thank you so much again for listening. And I pray that it was a blessing to you. I pray that it ministers to your heart. I pray it encourages you. I pray it challenges you. And at the end of it, that you walk away just God, have my heart, have whatever you want to have in my life, do whatever you want to do in my life and through my life. I want to live for you. I want my first love. I want to stay in that place of passion and fire and excitement for you and, and who you are in your kingdom with the reality and revelation of your kingdom, that it's real, that I'm actually passing through this world and this life. And I'm going to meet you in, in all truth and reality. You're going to meet me in that place as I, when I, when I'm done here. And I want to hear you say, you did a well, you did a good job. Well done, good and faithful servant. In Jesus name. Amen.